What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Verzi Effect Podcast Show. My name is Paul Verzi, and today is Friday, November 4th, 2016, and you guys are listening to episode 279. I hope everybody is doing good. I hope everybody had a good uh, good week in between shows, and um, I have a great show for you guys today, and we are only four days away from this election, which is amazing, which means that you don't have to see people's stupid comments You don't have to see and hear the rage, which is all over television. People aren't going to be fighting that much anymore. One side's going to win. One side's going to lose. And we just go on with our lives. Um, So by the time I do this podcast next, which would be episode 280, we will have a new president lined up and uh, the election will be over. Um, And uh, what can I say? I'm glad. I'm glad uh, that that's finally going to be put to rest. Um, 279 is a great episode for you guys because I have a ton of stuff to talk about. Uh, Great stuff with sports. I have uh, definitely have to talk about uh, another movie documentary I saw on Netflix, uh, which was good and frustrating and scary and ridiculous and just makes makes you think about a lot of things uh, when I get into that. So that'll be good. Of course, my unacceptable... Your guy's unacceptable, so uh, let's get right into the show. But first, before we start talking about all those good things, uh, got to shout out the sponsors. The Verzi Effect Podcast is sponsored by City Living Dog and CityLivingDog.com with the amazing dog trainer, Coach Mike, out there, who's going to be coming over. I believe he's coming over next week. We're trying to work something out to uh, work on our dog, Lloydie, who's doing much better and got fixed, but still has... Still has some tweaks that only a professional can uh, <laughs> can handle, I guess. They're like, you know, it gets like I think with a dog, you have the thing where it's like, okay, I could do so much. I can get the thing to sit. I can get it to kind of understand things. But then you got to call in the fucking cavalry to really get it to to like next level of behavior. So that's uh, that's where we're at now. He's actually sitting right behind me, chewing on a bone. But uh, check out City Living Dog and Coach Mike. Go to all of his uh, social media outlets, his Facebook. He does Facebook Live, live training with the dogs. You could see amazing clips on YouTube of how he's transformed dogs that were really monsters. Um, Aggressive, mean, biting, and he just, you know, had them sitting down and doing all this stuff. He just knows knows how to uh, deal with it, his his patience and... uh, you know, he's a dog whisperer. What do you want? So please check out City Living Dog and Coach Mike, citylivingdog.com, and check out all of his clips. Also, Drink More Good. Go to drinkmoregood.com. Drink More Good uh, is basically handcrafted organic syrups, which you put into your seltzer. They have amazing flavors at Drink More Good. They have citrus. They have ginger ale. They have, um, they're actually always adding stuff. It's very refreshing. There's no artificial flavors. There's nothing... That is, um, you know, bad for you. There's, there's nothing that's, there's no preservatives. There's, there's nothing gross in it. It's just uh, uh, an organic syrup that you put in. You go as, uh, as you please, as far as strength with your uh, seltzer. Um, and you know, they, uh, they have an office in Beacon, New York, um, where you can go and buy stuff. You can use their syrups for uh, marinades and glazes with cooking. You could also use them for cocktails. Uh, again, they're delicious. They're refreshing. There's uh, so many different flavors uh, with them. So please check out Drink More Good and drinkmoregood.com. If you like refreshing drinks that are a substitute for soda and much healthier, 
please check these guys out. You can put in uh, for a 20% discount. You could put in the code word GOODMAKER and you will get a, a discount from that. Uh, please tell them that I sent you and let me know if you do it and how you uh, feel about the product. And of course, All Things Comedy, guys. Go to allthingscomedy.com for your favorite comedy podcasts, favorite comedy albums, uh, which is All Things uh, All Things uh, Records. Uh, they, they do um, amazing stuff for the artist. I, I've told you guys before, you know, um, when you do an album deal with certain big companies or certain big, uh, you know, networks and all that stuff, uh, what they do to the artist is criminal, and uh, the way things work today, you know, for an artist to really not get screwed, you have to have people that are very fair, and that's exactly what All Things Comedy does. So if you do love uh, the podcasts and the, the, the comedy podcasts and comedy albums, and you want to support everybody, the best way to do it is with All Things Comedy. I can tell you that uh, 100%. So check out allthingscomedy.com and follow them um, at All Things Comedy. Now... Uh, I'm going to get right into my unacceptable here real quick just because I, I find this hilarious and people keep, uh, you know, talking about this and Lloyd, what are you doing? Now, now, yeah, now the dog, right, he's, he's, he's calming down. He's just acting up a little bit. Okay. Um, I'm going to get right into my uh, unacceptable, like I said, because these, these uh, people out there are hilarious to me. And I'm talking to both sides of... Uh, of the political table, if you will. Uh, I heard somebody say, if Hillary Clinton wins, the country's over. Uh, that's ridiculous and unacceptable. Heard somebody else say, if Donald Trump wins, it's going to be the apocalypse and it's the end of the country. Uh, so ridiculous and so silly. Just a bunch of dopes. Let me tell you something. It is absolutely 100% unacceptable for anybody to think that it's the end of times. It's the end of the country. Really, is it? Is it, morons? Is it the end of the country? Or is it just four years until we do this shit again? Please give me a break. There's Congress. There's things that need to be passed. By the time these people get anything done, their first term is practically over. It's ridiculous. Okay? How long did Obamacare take to get it to kick in? Forever. And then they're going to try to take it away if it's Trump, or they're going to try to make it better if it's Hillary Clinton, and it's going to take forever, and then it's going to be time to vote for another president. It's just ridiculous. Everybody needs to calm the fuck down and stop. They're saying it's the end because if their person doesn't win, to them they want it to be the end. It's so stupid. Okay, it really is. It's not the end. Nothing is going to happen. You're going to go on with your life and you're going to live your life and it's going to be the same thing and everybody's going to overhype what's going to happen. I'll tell you what, things are all, I mean, this is it. This is it. I mean, you might as well move. You might as well fucking move out of the country because, I mean, if if Hillary wins, I mean, the country's dead. I mean, if Trump wins, I mean, it's going to be the apocalypse. I mean, I don't know if I could live and raise my kids in a world. I mean, we may have to go to Canada. We have fucking go to Canada and free up traffic, you dope. Go. Go somewhere else. I, I just can't listen to people, man, because they're so stupid. And they just don't understand the way things work. They don't understand that it's not designed for it to... It's not designed for, the, for that to happen. It's not going to happen that way. You have to go through so many channels and so many different things. You know, some people think that if uh, Donald Trump becomes president, he's just going to show up the first day in the Oval Office and just hit the fucking red button and start nuking places. It's, it's ridiculous. Or if Hillary Clinton wins, you know, it's over. The country's dead and nobody, you know, there's no America anymore. It's like, what are you talking about? 
the same people that are like, you know, and I talked about it before with Obama, the same people that are like, yeah, they're trying to destroy this country. Hillary Clinton's trying to destroy this country. Listen, you may not disagree. I mean, you may not agree with what Hillary Clinton's done. You may disagree with her policies, but somebody doesn't dedicate themselves to 30 years of public service as a, as a ploy to destroy the country. No, they dedicate themselves and they may have beliefs and think something that will help the same way I think Obama did. But don't forget, people, their kids and grandkids live in America. They don't want to destroy the country. They don't want to kill their children and their children's children. It's so stupid. Think about what you're saying. Think about it. You know? And whoever wins, man, just hope for the best for the country instead of being like, this is the end. It's absolutely unacceptable. It's a perfect unacceptable this week to think whoever wins in four days is, is you know, is going to kill everything or the country's over. Stop it. Grow up. It's unacceptable. Um, and now, speaking of unacceptables, I don't know if you guys saw, but I was... Uh, Fortunate enough to be asked to go back on the NFL Network. I didn't even realize that my unacceptables that I did on the NFL Network on Good uh, Good Morning Football are now on NFL.com. So they're actually on <laughs> the NFL.com. And uh, I had so much fun. I want to shout out to Peter Schrager. I want to shout out to Kay Adams. Uh, Nate Burleson and Kyle, they were not there yesterday. So uh, the amazing Sean O'Hara, ex-offensive lineman for the New York Giants, um, was there, and I got to meet him and talk to him. If you saw the clips, it was so cool. I'm sitting there with a New York Giant who beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl um, and and did all that, and, and you know, and, and you guys know the respect I have for Tom Brady and all that. So, like, this, this was unbelievable for me to be sitting there. Sean O'Hara could not be cooler. And for them to just throw out um, NFL stuff and have me do acceptable, unacceptable is a testament to, to my podcast and how it's doing and you guys because you guys writing in, you know, uh, that doesn't go on the air and I'm not doing that show if I didn't come up with the unacceptables for you guys being involved. I mean, yeah, maybe if I just did my own once, but I think it's a lot funnier when you guys write in. So um, I appreciate it. It's almost like a collective thing. I'm reading off your guys' stuff and sure enough... Um, you know, television shows are fans, like producers are fans. I want to shout out to uh, David Brown, uh, who was a producer of the show, and, and Brian, who's a producer. Just amazing people over there at um, the NFL Network and Good Morning Football. And I got to do basically a segment of my podcast um, talking about football on uh, NFL Network. So I hope you guys saw it. It was so fun to do. And uh, it's just so cool to, like, talk to these guys. And, like, Sean O'Hara is so big. He's such a big dude, but he's just so cool. And these guys are, like, down to earth, and they get it. And um, I think even on the air, he was talking about my Jordans that I had on. Um, and I want to talk. That's another thing that I want to go into. But, uh, yeah, so anyway, shout out to Good Morning Football and the NFL Network. Um, one thing that I wanted to talk about was... Um, Going sneaker shopping, okay? Going sneaker shopping is very, very weird and can be very difficult. Now, I'm a sneakerhead, all right? I'm turning into a sneakerhead. I'm not a full-blown sneakerhead, though, all right? I'm in like, you know, if there are like three levels with three being like the craziest, like fly to Japan to get a pair of sneakers that you could only get there and spend $900 on them and... You got to, you know, fucking wrap them up in like, you know, 
you know, you got to put them in a chamber because, you know, there can't even be air around them. I mean, I, I'm not that. I'm probably at like a, out of three, out of like a level three with three being the craziest. Like I said, I would say I'm like a 1.5 close to two. That means that, you know, I like a fresh pair way more often than I should. Um, the sneaker needs to be really unique. Uh, not only just unique, like that people don't have it, but more unique like to me. It has to fit me. It has to be like a sneaker that I would wear, colors that I would wear. I get crazy with the outfits matching the sneakers. It's becoming crazy. Um, but I went, I went yesterday to go buy some sneakers. And... No, I'm sorry. I went the day before, and I think I think I'm at the point now where I just have to order online. I think I have to just like pick and choose or build my own because a I spend too much time, and you can't take a kid to the mall or take a kid to a sneaker shop and just try to break down everything like. I usually could look at one wall of sneakers and like I just get that like Terminator lock in like you know in the Terminator when his eye would just become a target and he'd lock in and it would be infrared and he would lock in on the one. I can do that with a wall of sneakers but sometimes if there's a couple that are possibilities then like my whole system is like overloaded. I need like a new chip, a new battery. I I can't figure it out. So that's when I have to walk away, look at it again. It just becomes sick. It's like ridiculous. So I didn't know what to do. And, um, dude, I just realized that my dog bit something and it's my neighbor's and I think he ruined it and my neighbor left it here and I got to fucking, now I'm going to have to pay for this shit or, and he was just chewing. He was just playing with like a zipper, but it's my neighbor's and fuck. Oh my God. As I'm talking about sneakers and keeping them this way, it's just ridiculous. Um, but anyway, yeah, so... I, I could I went into every store, couldn't find them, and I think the only way to do it now is through ordering online. I think that's the only way I can get a pair of sneakers that I want and that I'm happy with, and that's me, instead of just going there. And then they always advertise online that they have them. When you go, they're like, no, no, you got to order those. And it's like, well, you know, don't say like in-store now or like come here, we have these, you know. It's like just say the only way you're getting these, the only fucking way possible is if you order online. And I'm also getting to this point where I feel like Certain sneakers, even if they're nice, I, I know that this sounds weird, but like if anybody can get a dope pair, the same dope, uh, dope pair, I don't want them. You know, like for example, if you go to Finish Line or you go to Foot Locker, right, and there's a pair of sneakers that a, you know, a kid in seventh grade is excited to get because he's going to the first day of school, and I'm like a fucking man in my 30s with children you know, performing all over the country, getting on stage. It's like I could have some fucking, you know, I could have the same pair of sneakers as some kid playing like freshman basketball, like, you know, crushing like, crushing it in 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 high school. But he's like, you know, I'm like 20 years older than the kid. It's just weird to me. You know, I remember the one time I saw a homeless guy in, in Jordans that I had. And I was like, what what is... You know, it's like, I don't know. I need to like order or build my own and just have it unique because I just can't have. And the worst is if you see like teenage girls rocking the same because now they're like unisex, especially Jordans. You know, people save up for Jordans. It's like, I don't want to have a, a pair of sneakers that a 13 year old chick has. 
You know, I don't. I don't. I just don't want it, to. So it's getting to the point where it's like, all right, I think it's time to step up the game and start getting shit that people just don't wear or or even can't afford. Which then my wife is like, no, you're not doing that. What are you, what's wrong with you? Just wear a nice pair of sneakers. Um. So yeah. So I'm becoming a sneaker snob, and I'm becoming to the point where it's like. But I will tell you this: when you see me, my foot game is pretty tight. My foot my foot game is getting tighter, people. I'm not gonna lie. And I feel like the older you get, it has to. I really feel that way. You know, you can't be, you can't, it just gets to a point where, like, you can't look at a grown man, all right, in his late 20s, 30s, 40s, you know, especially, like, 30s and 40s with, like, sneakers with any kind of dirt on it, you know, if you have, like, you know, kick around sneakers when you go and you play with your kids or you're running around playing ball or doing something like that, doing something, you know, active, yeah, you got to have certain sneakers for that, but as far as like going out, like the foot game needs to be clean, it needs to be tight, it needs to be clean, it needs to, you know, you just have to, you know, there's nothing worse than seeing a grown adult walking around, like you ever see these guys walking around the mall, or walking around just with their, and they're just sneakers, they're just dirty, they look like they've been sitting in the garage collecting dust and dirt, and they don't care, they're walking around, their sneakers are off. It's like, what are you doing, dude? It's like, go shopping. Put a new pair of fresh something on your feet to look normal. You know? And I know people say, well, Paul, what if they can't afford it? What if they can't afford it? It's like, they're out shopping. They're out with their kids. They're out doing something. They're not home. They're going to some meal. They're going to eat something. They're going to do something. And I think it's just important to have your feet game right. You gotta. You gotta. It's a must. My father growing up, he always did tell me though, he said, shoes and a watch. And I agree with that. And Giannis and I, Giannis always says that. My buddy Giannis Papas. He goes, dude, shoes and a watch. It's true. You gotta and, and like those are the things. And it's funny because the older I get, I'm like, those are the things I'm getting like serious about. I'm collecting. Footwear and and uh and watches. I'm getting into watches and I'm getting I'm getting I'm getting into getting into sweatsuits, everybody. I'm getting more and more Italian. With each day that I age, each day I'm just getting more Italian. I realize it because you know what? Like the Italians just love comfort. You know, at first I was like, I don't know if I just want to walk around in a full sweatsuit. I fucking love it. I got this sweats, this sick sweatsuit the other day from the mall. I fucking love it. I like to match more, and I like to be comfortable and wear sweatsuits. Oh my god, it's uh, yeah, big face watches. Fucking sneakers that are fresh. Uh, you know, <laughs> what the hell is happening to me? I'm just, I'm telling you, man. I'm going to be that old Italian dude walking around in a track suit saying to myself, why did I ever wear fucking jeans <laughs> in my life? Um, all right, let's get to your guys unacceptable. See what you guys have here. Uh, let's see. I got a, I got a few this week. Um, some good ones. And I'm getting some new people writing in, which is awesome, man. I really appreciate the new people writing in. So let's see what we have here with uh, Unacceptables for TVE. Let's go to uh, Greg. Wedding Unacceptable. I had the pleasure of being a groomsman at my buddy's wedding this weekend. The wedding was slated to start at 2 o'clock. I can't begin to explain how much of a disaster this was. In the middle of the vows, people were still walking in. Some of them were wearing work jeans 
and fucking flip-flops and making a shitload of noise. After this was all said and done, we went inside for the rehearsal and, uh, and dinner. Um, my buddy has had beers from all over the U.S., so it was pretty boss. When the bride and groom got up to dance, the DJ literally had 30-second uh, song clips, like the samples you'd listen to on Amazon. Right after that, rather than the DJ announcing people uh, up for food by table, this Don King-looking motherfucker literally said, All right, y'all, let's eat. Causing an absolute mob scene to the catered buffet. Uh, I get that people were trying to save a buck, but this shit was unacceptable. Lock these, lock these Jesus jogger and jean-wearing dopes in a cage with the DJ with an eternity of 30-second sound bites. By the way, my fiancé hooked me up with an offset uh, with an offset smoker for my birthday. Just curious if you or any listeners got insight on how to get started. I know, uh, I know you and the horsemen are always barbecuing and smoking your food at tailgates. Thanks, Greg Roselli. Greg, you know what's funny about that? I think somebody just offered to buy me a smoker. I, I've never done it personally. I've been to places that do it. I've seen it done. I've never done it, but I'm about to get my first smoker. So I can let you know, but I really don't. And thank you so much for the submission. Uh, yeah, that sucks for your friend's wedding. You know, anytime you see people, you know, you don't know what kind of money they have or whatever. But anytime you see that, it's like a once in a lifetime thing. It's like, don't skimp, you know, wait or like just try to, you know, that little bit of money you're saving. If you waited or you figured out a way to do it better, you know, it just makes the experience better. You can't skimp out. So you're right about that. Okay, let's see what else we have here. Um... Let's go to, um, and by the way, I'm going to try to read some of the, like if somebody keeps writing in, I got to get to some other people too, just so you guys know. So if you write in all the time and I don't get to you, I'll definitely get to it after, but I have to get to, uh, you know, some of the new people for sure, because, uh, I know people are writing in and, you know, first time listeners, I want them to, to see that I care. Let's see here. Um, okay. This next one is from, okay, this is from um, Rich Delp. Unacceptable and really unacceptable first submission. Here we go. Paul, love the podcast, discovered you through the Honorable Mr. Burr. I can only imagine the hilarity that ensues when the four horsemen get together over a few cocktails. Anyway, this is my first unacceptable submission. Apologies in advance for the length. I have three boys, uh, 18, 11, and 6. So parenting is uh, not new to me, although I recognize I am by no means an expert. That being said, I am having an increasingly difficult time not losing my shit and going the fuck off on my six-year-old's friend's parents who seem to think it's okay to just drop their kid off whenever it suits them with uh, no advance notice. Uh, here's the move. Okay, so okay, so this is a... Gotcha, gotcha. Here's the move. Pull into our driveway, send their son to the door, and if he sees we are home, he waves to his mother and she leaves. No call, no text, nothing. Who the fuck does that? <laughs> of course, as soon as 
my son sees his uh, buddy from school. He lets him in and playtime co uh, commences. I usually become aware that he is uh, there a few minutes after his mother has already split. What the fuck? Uh, this is a dick move because although her son is a good kid, now I am ultimately responsible for him until she picks him up. Absolutely, dude. She usually uh, sent a text three hours later asking when she should pick him up so her phone works fine. Uh, this is the thing that pisses me off. She just doesn't text ahead of time because she knows I may just say no. She just brings him over and even if I see him uh, coming, now I'm the bad guy in the kid's eyes if I say no. Never mind the fact that I work 60 hours a week and she keeps pumping out kids uh, to live off the government <laughs> tit. Uh, but that is another rant for another day. This is completely unacceptable as this cunt is just taking advantage of my wife and I. Now for the really unacceptable. Same nice kid, same fucktard mother. My wife and I have different work schedules. Sometimes she has to work in the evening and leaves for work before I get home from my day job. Our 18-year-old keeps an eye on his little brother to help us during that hour or so when we can't be there, okay? So one day last week during this previously mentioned hour, when my wife and I were not home, she pulled into the driveway, which clearly had uh, neither of our cars in it, dropped the kid off in her usual way and split. When I get home, I asked my 18-year-old when the friend got there, and he said he had no idea because he and his brothers had just gotten back from the playground. Again, what kind of fucking retard drops their six-year-old boy off this time without even checking to see if anyone was home? Did I mention the kid was only in a t-shirt and it was 50 degrees outside? Someone needs to zap this twat's uterus. Uh, with jumper cables, so there is no chance in hell she could reproduce again. Sorry for the long one, but needed to get it out, brother. Keep up, uh, keep doing your thing. You're killing it. Thank you, uh, Dickie Delp out there in Reading, Pennsylvania. Great first submission, dude. Um, that is awesome, and that is truly, truly unacceptable, dude. Like, I don't even know, I don't even know how that woman, like, hasn't been called out by the school or hasn't been called out by another parent or something like that because that's like, you know, my advice to you, dude, and that's a thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much for the submission. Awesome. Thank you for uh, listening and uh, jumping on board and your first submission was a great one. Um, that being said, dude, somebody needs to, uh, I mean, and I think it's you, my advice to you, dude, would just be call her and be like, look, I can't fucking, you can't do this. You can't drop your son off not knowing if anybody's home. You can't drop your son off when it's cold out in a t-shirt and leave me and my wife responsible for hours without hearing from you. You just can't do it. It's, it's really, you could tell her, be like, listen, it's unacceptable. You can't do it anymore. Like, I'm going to have to report you, report you, report you, I'm going to I'm gonna have something because you're just, you. what you're doing is, is unfit parenting and it's ridiculous and nobody does that. You know, God forbid some fucking maniac is, you know, out there and takes the kid, you know? So that's absolutely unacceptable. Thank you so much for the submission. Um, that's ridiculous, dude. That is really ridiculous. Okay, I will get to a couple more here. Let's see here. Um, this is from uh, Jesse Mendoza. All right, here we go. Uh, Dick's Sporting Goods. 
Uh, I was meaning to write this a few weeks ago. My unacceptable for this week was at Dick's Sporting Goods in White Plains. I decided to go buy a pair of Reebok shoes, which will probably be the last time I even go to the store to buy anything. I had two negative uh, encounters. First one was with Andres, who was useless and not even worthy of being ashamed uh, on your podcast. So I'll just end it there. Uh, what really did it for me at this store was the transaction with some kid who uh, looked like he did not want to have any interaction with me at the register. I walked up, said hello. He rolled his eyes the other way. He rang me up and asked, um, and I asked him if I can honor, uh, if they could honor my parking ticket, which, wait, honor your parking. Oh, okay. Was it for validation? I guess. Okay. Uh, which they normally do when you make a purchase. Before grabbing the ticket, he then rolls his eyes towards the register so I can read the amount, which uh, is very fucking lazy, and points at the credit card reader. With a serious look on his face, I said, I'm paying cash. Uh, on my face, I'm sorry. With a serious look on my face, I said, I'm paying cash. He then rolls his fucking eyes again, and dude, I'm getting mad at this guy. Uh, and then walks to the computer to honor the parking ticket. Uh, he had his hand on the monitor and lifts two fingers up, expecting me to slide the cash right in, in between his fingers. I was so fucking furious at this point and still not saying a word during this transaction. He rolls his eyes uh, towards his hand. Oh my God, dude. I want to fucking, where is this? Uh, I had I had it at that point. I slightly raised my voice at him, still trying to stay calm, and I said, Dude, use your voice and say something. He then takes a deep breath and puts a fake smile as he shakes his head like he was going to do something. I was, uh, It was obvious that I already got into his head, and he continued to finish the transaction. He then puts the change on the table, separate, uh, separating the cash and spare change, thinking that I would react to this. This kid is such a fucking clown. He then yells, next. Oh my God, which backfired because there wasn't anybody else online. So to be a dick, I took my time gathering the money he left on the table and slowly putting it back um, in, in my wallet. Uh, by then, he was already on his phone texting while at the register. I leaned closer to him in a loud tone and said, have a nice day, as he mumbled, hmm. I don't know how these people get jobs, but sadly enough, these are the exact people who should be unemployed because they don't deserve shit. There are plenty of people who would take the job, uh, take this job, and not only give it their best, but have the decency to at least say hello and have or have a nice day. Absolutely, uh, like you always say, if you're miserable and you hate your job, um, uh, like you always say, if you're miserable and you hate your job, last thing you should do is take it out on customers who are doing nothing but keeping your uh, employer in business. At this point, I don't know if he's even worthy of being placed into a cage. Yeah, dude, that's really frustrating, and uh, that guy got me so annoyed because I know the exact type of people that that, that is. I know the exact type of people that, like, that, that you're dealing with with that. <clears throat> and it's like, it just, it's really... Like, I swear to God, I'm getting to the point now where I'm starting to call people out. Like, I, I just do it now. Like, now it actually makes my day, and I feel like I'm doing everybody in the community, everybody in my community, and just people in general, mankind, a disservice by not calling these fucking people out. 
Okay, the fact that this little bitch was sitting there rolling his eyes and fucking doing hand gestures like he couldn't be bothered. You know what would have been great if you just leaned over and you go, dude, dude, you, you're employed at Dick's Sporting Goods. Okay, you're not doing that good. Okay, you're, you're watching other people buy shit. Okay, you're ringing up people while they're buying shit. You're not doing that good. Okay, you're a bitch. Do you understand me? And it's a shame you have a job. As a matter of fact, I want to talk to your higher up. Just do shit like that and be like, I want to talk to him in front of you. That's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do. I not only want to talk to him, I want to talk to him in front of you and I want to tell him exactly what you did and see how you react then. And then we'll see if you're just rolling your eyes and you're not opening your mouth and you're doing hand gestures. Then we'll see if you have something to say or talk. Because the only other gesture you do if you don't fucking talk to try to save your ass is walk into the parking lot, get into your car and get the fuck out of here. Uh, wow, you just got me fired up, dude. All right, let's see here. Um, let's see what else we have here. Okay, this one is from Jason. Unacceptable politics. Here we go. Um, let's see here. My fucking cats. Here we go with the cats, everybody. Okay, here we go. Sorry about that. Uh, this next one is from Jason Burr. I don't think any relation to Bill here. Unacceptable politics. Dear Paul, uh, I believe that similar to you, many people in America today find the two choices for president to be unacceptable. So I am uh, contemplated that I have con- I contemplated this and decided that it stems from our sporting events always being between two teams. Okay, football, baseball, basketball games, etc., are all played with one team versus the other team, right? So in efforts to change the American thinking. Uh, Away from the two-party, uh, two-party-only system, I propose we add a third team to play <laughs> in our sporting events. The purpose of the third team would be to run out of the field and upset, uh, and upset the play of the other two teams on the court. Maybe even create a third goal or end zone, so the third team has somewhere to go if they get the ball. Obviously, I'm kidding, but how do we awake, awaken the voting populace? Uh, sorry, a voting populace uh, to the existence of third-party candidates when the current choices in the bipartisan world are unacceptable. Well, here's the thing, dude. I, you know, that's a, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we are in a culture where you root for one side and you want to be right. I mean, it's really what it comes down to is being right. When you have a sports argument with a friend, it's who wants to be right. Um, you know, you may really think that, but it's, it's always, you know, it's, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I think that it's also a way that people grew up, you know, I really do. I feel that, and thank you for the submission. And I agree with you that, um, yeah, the choices are unacceptable and and the, and the, the two party system doesn't work. I don't think it works. Um, I never think you're in a good situation or the country's doing good. I mean, we're in a great country, so I never say that. You know, I want to say, oh, we're not in a good country. I'll always say we're in the best country ever, but um, I never think you're in a good situation when the country's divided pretty much in half. You know, I think what people are going to see on Tuesday with the election is I think they're going to see, you know, they're going to see a fucking, you know, they're going to see a close race, you know, and, and even if it's, let's say, 55 to, to 45, or le- even let's that, even that's too much to be divided, you know, even that's like half to me, you know, I mean, 
it's it's not cool when half the people think the other half the people in the country are morons. And that's really what's going on. So it's just broken. It's two different ways. And like I said, it's how you grew up. You know, if if you don't travel and you don't meet people, you don't talk to people like like I've been fortunate enough to, you really take one side. I took one side, you know. I definitely leaned really really hard right, a lot hard right, a lot harder right than I am now. You know, but then I just realized that, like, no, you can't, you know, so I, I, there's definitely a lot of points I see on the left, you know, but it's the extremist stuff, you know, it's the extremist stuff. It's that stuff that those guys from South Park were saying, you know, the, the, the far deep and far, you know, uh, I mean, the far left and, and deep right, all that stuff, it's the same person. It's just, you know, that that's what it is. It's just different ways of thinking, but it's the same person, so... Um, yeah, I don't know what could be done. I mean, I guess the third party would be the independents, but it's always, like I said, it's always some guy getting fucking 4% with a shitty headshot. It's a joke. Uh, thank you for the submission. Let's see what else we have here. Um, all right, I'll do a couple other ones here. People signed, uh, wrote in and, uh, and then we'll get, definitely want to talk about uh, this movie I saw cause this is fucked up and I want to talk about some sports too. Uh, I mean, how are we not going to talk about Game 7 of the World Series? That was insane. Um, Here we go. This is um, from uh, a regular Blair Stewart. Another office unacceptable. Hi, Paul. Is there another unacceptable from... uh, I'm sorry. Uh, This is another unacceptable from my workplace near Williamsport, Pennsylvania. Oh, PA's got a lot of fucking unacceptable shit going on this week. We've had some pretty brutal flooding recently, and one of my co-workers was injured pretty badly and had some medical bills stack up because of it. This was all told uh, to us by email because the ladies put together a bake sale to help out with the bills and uh, whatever expenses that uh, she was facing. Uh, This colossal douche was in the break room by the goods and started chowing down on them without paying. He looked up and joked, uh, free food, and thought it was hilarious. I went nuts on him for being a dick, and I'm thankful that uh, we have cameras in there because I'd hate to be a rat like the Verizon slash Sprint guy. Lock him in a cage without brownies and throw him in whatever flood remains around here. Uh, Thanks again for the podcast. Go Giants. Well, uh, yeah, man, that's... There's always the office guy. That does that ever does that ever change? There is always the office guy who's a dick. Like there is not one office without that guy. I've I've noticed that. There's always one. And even if it's not a full-on dick, it's like a douche or a fucking tool or a guy that takes his shit too seriously, the guy that's like not making that good of money but he dresses like he is cuz he thinks he is. It there's always there's always one. And it's just uh, ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, okay, last one. Uh, this one is from, let's see here, Rob, Bobby T. Bobby T. Robert Thompson. Here we go. Yo, Paul, uh, all the talk last week about this shit led me to want to share this story with you. I actually talked about it on my podcast, but thought all TVE listeners deserve to hear it as well. It's a little longer than I usually do, but I usually give you short ones, so please bear with me uh, as it goes full circle, okay? The other day, I was on the job site uh, closing off areas we were going to be working in, road construction. It took me about 
three hours to close everything off and then all of a sudden it feels like I have 40 knives stabbing me in the gut. At this point, I knew there was no way in hell I could hold uh, hold this in. Uh, you can hold in a, uh, a poop, Paul, <laughs> uh, but you cannot hold in an emergency shit. Wow. So at this point, I am in the middle of an empty parking lot, so I had to choose... Uh, I had no choice but to jump in my truck and find the nearest restroom. I drive out to the main entrance, uh, and it's bumper-to-bumper traffic. 7.30 a.m. on a Monday in the middle of Atlanta is a shit show. I am now freaking out because I don't think I can hold this in. So I think to myself, what would Kelly do? WWKD. <laughs> Ah, the appearance of Kelly Meyer, the ghost of Kelly of shit's past. Um, so I jump in the medium and pull into a Shell gas station. This is where I went wrong. I walk into the Shell and it smells of curry, weed, and extremely bad odor. I knew the restroom was going to be awful, but I had no choice and no options because this shit is happening and it is happening now. The restroom is a single-person restroom, and all <laughs> shitty gas stations have. Uh, I open. Oh my god, dude, this is getting me anxious. I'm like, I'm glad I I don't have to go. Uh, I open. Yeah, why do gas stations always have the one stall with the key? All right, I open the door, and there is a garbage bag uh, over the urinal, and it reads "out of order." So of course, the toilet has a bunch of shit and piss in the bowl. Uh, so I flush it about three times to get some clean water in it. Then I see the toilet seat is down. Uh, so I do what every non-animal would do, and I choose. <laughs> I close it. I'm sorry. Uh, I close it with my foot because there were multiple shades of brown and even some black shit smears on it, along with the typical piss marks. Oh, my God, dude. So now I'm gagging and dry heaving and thinking to myself, an ass gasket is not going to do the trick on this one. So uh, what I do is take the garbage bag that was sitting next to the sink and I put my entire arm in it. What? And grab a bunch of paper towels. Okay. Uh, And soap and water and start scrubbing it. The entire time trying not to vomit and shit my pants. It took me about three cleanings before it was acceptable enough to sit down on. As I sit down on that rocking chair of a toilet, I see all the water leaking out of the bottom uh, of the bowl, but I was able to shit, so the worst part was over. After all of that, I went home, showered, scrubbed uh, scrubbed my shows uh, of any potential shit particles. Oh my God, dude. Uh, I... I do not do well with public pooping, Paul, and never have. I love how you're saying pooping now. Like, I love how you're saying pooping at the end of this. But then you're talking about, like, shit smears and fuck it. I love how you're, like, trying to clean it up. It's like, that's like the verbal version of, you know, getting a Big Mac and a Diet Coke. He's like, yeah, there were shit smears everywhere, shit and piss everywhere. I really don't do good with pooping in public. Um... And never have, and that is why instead of calling it an emergency shit, I have changed it to the Kelly Meyer, for example. Oh no, I have a Kelly Meyer coming on. Hashtag unacceptable. 
Uh, hashtag Kelly Meyer changing the shit game. Thanks, Paul, and sorry for the length. Much love, Bobby T. Well, what are you going to do, man? That Shell station uh, lives in infamy. Why do gas stations not have... I, I know I know it's not a restaurant, and I understand that they get a lot of people in there, and truckers are coming in, and people getting gas, and people doing that. But why are gas station bathrooms so absolutely dreadful? Like, I'm not talking about the big rest stops where, like, you know, those are decent. I'm just talking about, you know, you're on E, you're on a highway, you get off, there's a little shell, or there's a gulf, or some, one of those things, and you're like, hey, dude, I could take a piss before I gotta drive another hour and a half, and you go in there, and it just looks like a murder took place. It's ridiculous. Um, Alright, that's it for the Unacceptables this week, guys, for, um... Thank you for the submissions. Uh, if you want to submit again, uh, I, and I'm encouraging all the first-time uh, submitters, um, it's unacceptables4tve at gmail.com. That is unacceptables4tve at gmail.com. Uh, okay, so let's see. I don't believe there was any on uh, – I don't believe there was a lot on Twitter, actually, uh, this week. So, No. No, so that's going to be it. If you guys have any that you want to send into my Twitter, you can just tweet them at um, Unacceptables. Um, no, I'm sorry. Unacceptable for TV is email uh, at Paul Verzi on Twitter, and you could just hashtag it Unacceptable, and then I'll know. So, but make sure you hashtag it Unacceptable. Um, and again, it was so cool to do. It was so cool to have the NFL Network love the segment of the show and to do it on their network, which was fucking awesome. Uh, so thank you for that. Now I want to talk about. Um, I have to talk about actually uh, this. I'm gonna talk about this movie that I saw. All right, and the movie is uh, it's disturbing. It's scary. Uh, I don't think I could even make comedy during this. Like I don't even know if I could be funny during this. So bear with me here. Uh, we will talk about sports, and I'm sure it'll be funny because I'm gonna talk about the Indians and Cubs World Series and how. I just felt like I like I felt like the the baseball gods were like I don't even know should we let it want any of these teams win? We've held off so long, but I'll, I'll get into that. Um, talk about the Giants this weekend. Talk about the Knicks, what they did tonight in Chicago. So I'm gonna get to that. But um, so my neighbors and I, like I said, I'm, I'm, we're we're close with our neighbors. Like we we live in a very private woodsy neighborhood, but there's there's a few neighbors around and they're fucking awesome. They really are, dude. For Halloween, we went trick or treating on Halloween, and then. Uh, Afterwards, my son just yelled while we were with a bunch of kids in the neighborhood and their parents. My son just yells, party at our house after trick-or-treating. And the adults were like, all right. And we did. Like, we got to my house. I called up. We ordered some dinners. We ordered three pizzas. We ordered wings. And, you know, and people came over. And I had neighbors, even that I had just met, staying over till fucking midnight drinking. It was awesome. So, you know, so I talk to my neighbors sometimes, uh, except the one next to me that wants to shoot me. There's only one neighbor that doesn't like me. Um, and it's because we had that 4th of July party when, uh, you know, my buddy brought up a fucking, basically brought up Scud missiles from the Bronx, you know, some Macy's Day shit that I, you know, didn't know, or the Macy's barred shit on the 4th, I didn't know, and it gets on the guy's lawn, so I only have one neighbor that wants to shoot me, my other neighbors I'm cool with, um, although my dog Lloyd bit my other neighbor's jacket and ripped the zipper, so I had to take it to a tailor and get that done. And, uh, that's another, that's a whole other shit show. But anyways, so we talked to, I talked to my neighbors about Netflix. They live right across the street from me. My other neighbor lives across the street from me. So, uh, my, our neighbor, uh, Susan, who lives across, um, you know, we, I see her, 
uh, by the bus, you know, because we drop our kids off by the bus. It's right across the street. So I always talk like Netflix documentaries. So like I told her about the imposter and she told me about this um, Johnny Gosh, uh, who took Johnny is the name of the documentary. I don't know if you guys saw it. It's on Netflix, but uh, and this is a spoiler alert. So if you didn't see it, you could turn this off. It's been out there for a long time. Uh, so I'm going to basically say what it is. There's really no big surprises in what I'm about to say, but fast forward to the end of the show if you, you know, fast forward to the end of the show if, whatever, spoiler alert right now. I'm going to talk about who took Johnny. It's on Netflix again. So in 1982, Johnny Gosh, a young boy, was on a paper, uh, he was on his paper route, and he was just going, doing his thing on Sunday morning, I believe it was, and every day his dad would go with him on Sunday mornings or something, except this day, and he just, he's gone, he disappears, nobody saw him after that, uh, witnesses saw a car talking to him, uh, and then the last they saw, he was talking to this guy in a car, they had a description of the car, and the kid just disappears. And the mother and father are just going nuts, and they're looking for him, they're looking for him, and just years and years go by. However, uh, while they're while they're looking, like, there, there's nobody, there's no, I mean, they looked everywhere, they talked to psychics, and psychics said, oh, he's dead, he might be over here, they looked, they looked nothing. Um, but then, long story short, somebody in jail comes comes out and says, like, oh yeah, I helped take the kid. Um, this is who did it, this is why we did it, and it was basically like a sex trafficking, like, child pornography shit thing, and it was fucked up, man, and, like, they none of the law enforcement in the town helped the parents, they looked at it as, like, a runaway, um, when it, 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 it's clearly not, like, it clearly wasn't, and the mother just is still, but all kinds of shit, and what, what freaks me out about this is that, um, my brother was telling me something, it's so weird. It's almost weird talking about this on my podcast because you never, like, I don't want to, like, this is fucking how heavy this shit could be, you know, and, and, and what goes on. But, like, it's really something to be, uh, it's really something to be talked, like, there's something, there's something to be said about this because it's kind of scary. And um, it makes me worry about, you know, not being able to trust anybody, you know. But there was, my, my brother told me about this clip on YouTube where some guy, he was a high... He was like a high official somewhere. Like he was, I I think he might have been like a head or one of the heads of the FBI. Like he was just like a really heavy guy in the United States government. Like or, or just a really, you know, serious guy. And he just said, fuck everybody. I'm, I'm blowing the lid off of this thing and I'm telling people what's going on. And basically what he said was that, you know, when kids would go, dis, you know, miss, missing and disappear and you'd see them on you know, milk cartons in the 80s and the 90s or whatever. So then a lot of that shit was high, high government officials with these sick, underground, satanic, cultish things where they would take these kids and they would, you know, they, I mean, they're high government officials, so they just make you disappear off the face of the earth. You know, and they were talking senators or, like, governors. Like, they were talking big people. And um, this guy was saying, and he was just saying, like, I mean, I don't know if he actually said a senator or a governor, but he was saying that, like, if, you know, the people, that these high-level people in the United States government were taking these kids, sacrificing them, sec like, doing sex stuff with them, like, this all kinds of stuff, killing them, 
and and that there was some kind of satanic crazy shit going on. So a lot of these people that were never found, a lot of these people that were were you know like oh we just we wish we had closure. We just like you don't know if they're alive. They're saying that like with this kid Johnny Gosh you know, I hope he's wherever he is. I don't know. You'd never know. A lot of people still think he's alive somewhere, but they brainwash you so much. They, um, they, you know, they, they do all these sexual things that you don't even know who you are anymore. And you just have another existence and you go on. And, um, in the, in this thing, uh, one thing that happened at the end, the kid went missing in 1982. Somebody sent pictures of her, of him, like, gagged and stuff, and half the people said it's not her son, and she says, no, it 100% is her son. Um, also saying that the dad, it was on purpose that the dad wasn't there that one day, and that the dad might have been into some shit, and, like, he needed to give his son up, but the dad knew about it or took part in it, and that's why the dad wasn't there that one day. Awful fucking horrible shit like that, you know. But the one thing at the end was... When the mother was talking to a judge, they, the judge asked her or something. They, they was going back and forth because the town and the and the um, the police department in that area did not fucking help her at all. Like it seemed like they were just like not getting answers. Um, people were annoyed by the mother's persistence because she kept fighting. She kept fighting. Really frustrating shit. But then she says at the end of the documentary, and the mother seemed strong and she seemed like she was trying to help people and and everything like that. But she said, so they said, so you not you haven't seen your son since whatever? You know, you haven't seen him since, have you seen your son since he disappeared in 1982? And she goes, yes, I have. He came to my door. He came over. He came back home on, in 1997. And uh, that was kind of like a twist at the end of this shit. We're just like, what? And she's like, yeah, he came home. Uh, it was him. He said, you know, mom, I'm here. I just want to let you know. I mean, I can't, I can't stay or they'll kill me, but this and that, I, you know, basically that I'm alive. They also like, uh, one, like years later, he actually wrote down on a, do- a dollar bill, a bill surfaced, uh, um, money, a bill surfaced that said, uh, I am alive, Johnny Gosh or something like that on a bill. And they thought it was his handwriting or whatever. But so she says he showed up in 1997 and he was with somebody else, I think, and like, uh, like a younger kid or another kid, and um, you know, nobody knows if she was telling the truth. But he said, like, I can't; they'll kill me. But he just wanted to like show her and see her, and then he left again. Um, but the guy in jail who admitted like that helping and he did all that, he said, "There's a house. They took us to this house in Omaha, Nebraska." They had, like, underground, like, chambers and torture stuff, but they had places to hide us. So if anybody came, and, like, sure enough, his story held up. They found the house. They found the downstairs, like, fucking cages or whatever. They found it. The guy had no reason to lie. He felt bad about it. He was fucked up about it. He had multiple personalities, but, like, still to this day now, he's out with, like, I think he's married with a family. But he, you know, he, he never one time wavered from the story from when he was, from a long time. And everything he said panned out. Everything he said. Um, and then the people, there were bigger people involved and some bigger, you know, bigger people, like high level people that got arrested and like shit like that happened, but they never found this kid. So, um, really frustrating. And it just makes you think that like, if it, well, first of all, if the father has something to do with it, the father should be taken outside in the street and shot in the head, you know, like, I mean, I'm all for, I'm all for like, 
like disciplining somebody the absolute fullest some for some shit like that. I don't care if the father did it himself or if the father knew it was gonna happen. If the father had anything to do with his son be going missing like that because of some shit that he did, the father should be fucking exterminated as far as I'm concerned. Um, it's despicable as a, as a, a father myself, to, it's, it's not even conceivable, it's not even like a fucking, it's not even real to think that, um, but it just makes you think like, you know, when you're out there and you're thinking of like, everybody has this, and it does happen, so I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but everybody's got this, you know, blue van and a bad man and a blue van with a bunch of fucking candy, and listen, that's happened, so I'm not trying to make light of it. I'm sure that the bad man in the blue van has taken people and, and done that and have, has, has, has torn families and lives apart. I get that. But to think that to think that people, like high-level people, can just choose somebody and one day, whenever they're vulnerable, get them and it's a high-level person and nobody will ever know and you don't know why or who you're getting help from or, or who you're not getting help from, I should say. Uh, really scary shit. And it makes you think of all those abductions because it was happening around the same time. And then it kind of stopped and it just makes you think, well, you know, is the whistle being blown on people? You know? Because it's just weird to me. It's like, I feel like it's so much less now. You know? I mean, God forbid anything like that happens to, to anybody. It's just one of the most horrible things ever. But I feel like with cell phones and technology and certain things, you know, it's 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 not happening as much, I guess. Or, you know, you don't hear about it. But, I mean, just the fact that... I mean, look at this, man. Like, there's high-level people in Hollywood that, like, that whole Corey Feldman thing. You know, Corey Feldman is, uh, you know, fucked up. And uh, Corey Haim, rest his soul. Like, those guys said, like... That a lot of the young kids in the 80s who got into movies were doing sexual favors to the big fucking Hollywood people. And like that they're out there and they're monsters and shit. So if that shit can happen, man. If people are into fucked up things and you never know. You never know. I was talking to somebody saying that they something happened with somebody they knew. They never in a million years would have thought it would have been them. Or, or someone would be like that. Like, yeah, no. The, the people got like sicknesses or the people have things going on. Um, so that scares the shit out of me, man, because you can't trust anybody. And it makes you think like, yeah, fuck it, I'm locking my doors and I'm I'm going to watch where my children go. And you never know. It's almost like if you were dealing with the bully situation in school, right? And, and, uh, and the school's not helping. And you're like, well, then you're fucking part of the problem. You know, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to put this on anywhere near, but it's just, I couldn't imagine the frustration. I'm just saying the frustration you get when a school doesn't help with a little problem. Imagine if your kid is missing and high-level people did it and they're not, not helping you. How crazy that would be. So it's a really, it's a fucked up, it's a, my neighbor uh, Susan told me I was going to be, you know, it's frustrating. It's very frustrating. It's, um, you want answers that just aren't there. You, you want to believe the mother that he showed up in 97 and she knows he's okay and that he's out there, but you just don't know. You don't know how it fucks up the people mentally, even the people that, that didn't get obviously abducted, but they're fucked up because they love the kid and they, it's been so many years. It's just such an awful thing. So I don't even know if I'm recommending it. I'll just tell you it's, I mean, watch it. You can make up your mind, but holy shit, man. Like that's the one thing about the, Netflix documentaries will fuck you up, man. 
Because you'll just be sitting there like, ah, I'll see what this is about. And next thing you know, like the opening sentence was like, you know, one minute he was gone. And the neighborhood was shocked. And you're like, ah, oh, fuck, it's over. I'll be here for two hours. But like this was really, really kind of like, well, how, man, how? Like even watching it, I'm going, okay, every day he was on his bike here. Every neighbor knew him. Everybody knew him. Then all of a sudden the strange car is there. He's talking to a guy and it's gone. The one day the dad's not there. You know, it just, everything was just brutal and pissed me off. Uh, so I don't know. I'll say it's a good documentary because obviously I've been talking about it for this long on the show, but really uh, scary, made me angry, made me kind of not trust anybody. Like, I mean, not that I trust anybody with my kids, but it makes you be like, you know, oh, you know, yeah, we'll take Lucas after school, you know, to like parents that live in a neighborhood far away from me and like, oh, it's just a play date. And you're like, all right, fine, but I don't know who lives in that fucking neighborhood. I don't know what's going to go on in that neighborhood. So it's like you just got to trust. It's brutal. It's brutal. So check it out. It's called Who Took Johnny? And um, make your own mind up what you think because there's a lot of di- different characters and people talking in it. You don't know who to believe. You don't know what's real. But then when you see this house that this guy in jail, you know, said like we did this and I'm really sorry. He even said, he goes, you know, I chloroformed him. I was I was asked to chloroform him. I was forced to chloroform him. And we took him here and we gagged him and we did this and we did that. And like everything he said started to pan out. And then they were like, are we really going to find a house? Sure enough, they found a house and they went in the basement and the shit they saw absolutely horrified him. So, um, yeah, it's brutal. Absolutely brutal. These people should be fucking, these people should be exterminated. Like, I know this shit sounds crazy. I'm going to take this a step further. I'm, I'm honestly going to take this a step further. I never want to sit here and try to sympathize with a guy like Hitler. Okay, and I know people are going to be like, Paul, it's a little too far. This is America. We can't do that. Fuck that. In this situation, okay, and you could say I'm nuts. You could say whatever. The good thing about me is I'm a comedian and I'm not running for president. So if I was ever running for president and they played this, they'd be like, all right, no way. This guy's fucking nuts. I mean, look, they fucking crucified Donald Trump for making a joke, you know, with a guy in a van. You know, I, I really didn't take it as that. I mean, and you guys know I'm not a Trump guy at all. But I didn't take. I don't take what they're saying about this guy like that. I mean, could you imagine what I'm what I'm about to say? And here's what it is: like Hitler, a guy like Hitler, like when they tried to kill him in that Valkyrie thing, they fucking he made an example. He basically was like, okay, he fucking hung him from like piano cord or whatever the fuck. He shot him, and they were like hanging for the public to see. Like these people got tortured and killed for trying to fuck with this guy. Now, granted. They were probably doing the right thing. Well, they definitely were doing the right thing because this guy was a monster and he was killing he was killing people, innocent people, the whole concentration camp, all that stuff. I'm just saying, I would fucking love, you know, and I know half of you are like, no, no, this is wrong. And the other half of you are probably getting satisfaction by this. But I would absolutely love if not only they exposed the people and the monsters that did this to children, to young children, this shit could still be going on. It definitely went on before. Okay, in the 80s, the 90s, God knows what's going on now. But if you find these people, these people in the government, these people that are being protected, these child pornography people, they should be fucking publicly fucking executed and scare the fuck out of anybody for ever thinking about doing this. Wow, this podcast just went from funny to a whole other thing. I know. I don't give a fuck though. Like, this is real talk right now. Like, this is like... 
They should find these people and whatever fucking pay-per-view event or not even make more than pay-per-view. Make people see it. Put this shit on the news. These people should be fucking taken out. Oh, it's a sickness. It's a sickness. Fine. It's a sickness that can't be cured. That's it. It's a sickness that can't be cured. And these young fucking beautiful children are falling victim to it. No, they need to go. Done. Just done. It's a part of society that just doesn't need to be there. It needs to be cut out. Oh, well, you know, they should just go to an insane asylum. It's for what? For what? To sit there thinking about the sick shit they're doing and wasting tax money and all that shit. Get rid of them, dude. Get rid of them. I'm not saying this about somebody that committed a crime and is in jail and they did something horrible and now they have remorse and they could go out and be a good person and made a mistake. You pay your, you pay that shit. I'm talking about people with little kids, man. I'm talking about people raping little kids. Some of these guys in this movie, they said that if a kid was raped, they were like damaged goods and they just wanted fresh, innocent, virgin kids to do this shit to. Like, that's what they got off on. These people should be fucking shot and hung in public, man. It's brutal. Fucking brutal. So, um... Yeah, this is the Verzi Effect Podcast with me, comedian. <laughs> this shit just took a hard left turn to fucking darkness. I know. But you know what? You should be mad and you should be thinking about it. Because that shit goes on and people need to question shit more. And if I have any little platform whatsoever on my show... At all. I don't care if there's 10 people listening, 10,000. Well, there's, you know, you know, there's thousands, but, um, no, but I don't care who's listening to this right now. It, it should just make everybody kind of be aware, like, holy shit. Like, even in the documentary, they were talking about how then nobody helped. Nobody helped. And now, if God forbid something like that happens, you know, there's a lot more help. Because of the Johnny Gosh situation, uh, it used to be they waited like 72 hours. Before they could say a missing persons thing. 72 hours is ridiculous. Think about that. They have a show now called The First 48. Which means if shit doesn't get resolved within the first 48 hours. A lot of times it's over. Uh, Back in the early 80s. Before this Johnny Gosh case. There was 72 hours before they said it was a missing persons. And a lot of times they said the person ran away. So they didn't know what the fuck they were doing. Now there's a lot more help. And because of this the immediate search starts. If you say your child is missing and all that stuff, there's basically, it's like immediately. They just start going after them. Like, they'll wait a little bit, like a couple hours, but it's all within that day. And if shit goes bad there, they fucking run around and they look for the kid and they claim it as a missing person's case, which which happened because of this. So that's a good thing. And I don't know if I would be this passionate about this if I didn't have my own kids, but, like, this is uh, something that I feel um, sickened about. You know what you should do? Go to YouTube. After you listen to this, you could go to YouTube and you could say like high level official blows the whistle on like sacrificing children like, like, or something like that. I'll find out the exact thing from my brother, but it, it'll make you question fucking life. It'll make you question decency. It'll make you question innocence. It'll, it, it'll just make you question any good that, that, that it, it will make, it's really bad, man. You know, and listen, there's so many great things out there and so many great people out there, but dude, this shit is. So, um, yeah, so it's called uh, Who Took Johnny? And let me know what you think. Um, Write in. If you have any information about, like, the shit that I'm talking about online, I'm just, like, really interested in, like, who who got caught doing this and, and, like, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. Because it does kind of make sense if you think about it where all those milk cartons and all this stuff and to this day, 
people are, are, yeah, we haven't seen them. They're just gone. I just wish I had closure. I didn't know. I didn't know. Think about if that was like your home government doing that for their sick fucking games. And, and you know, and they're the ones behind it. You know, it's it's just ridiculous. So, anyway, there you have that. That's the movie thing. Um, but I do want to talk about sports. I know we're an hour and six minutes into the show. Um... First of all, Game 7 of the Chicago Cubs and the Cleveland Indians was one for the ages. They're saying the best game within uh, within the last 25 years. I don't know if I've seen a baseball game that intense. I'll be honest with you. you know, I'm a Yankee fan. If that was a Yankee game, I truly don't know if I could have handled that shit. Like, I would have been breathing. I would have been hyperventilating into a brown paper bag and losing my shit. I mean, what else can happen? But I'll say this. I really mean this too. Um, I feel like the Joe Madden, the manager of the Chicago Cubs, did everything in his fucking power to lose that game for the Cubs. I 100% think him taking Hendricks out when he took him out was ridiculous. Uh, the kid gave up one run. He was fine. He got fucked on that strikeout call uh, when the guy ended up walking. It was bullshit. That was a strike, and he knew it was a strike, and that's why he yelled into his glove when Madden came out. Madden panicked. I think he put panic in his team. He worked Chapman to death. One of my favorite things was uh, Pete Rose going, Pete Rose going, I mean, what else did I want from this guy? I mean, Chapman, every fucking game coming in two, three innings, guy throws 102 miles an hour, 100 consistently, and of course his arm is going to go. You can't keep doing that. Joe Madden jumped the gun. He put John Lester in an inning too early, and it almost bit him in the ass. It came really, really close to biting him in the ass. Now, I know what you're saying, and I know what other people are saying. Paul, you're a fucking comedian. You're not a baseball manager. How do you know? How do you know better? Everybody was saying it. Okay, Pete Rose was saying it. A-Rod was saying Say what you want about A-Rod. And I, I know that he looks uncomfortable doing what he's doing, but his knowledge of the game is sick. He's like an idiot savant of baseball. He's like LeBron with basketball. He just knows the game insanely. And he was absolutely right. Pete Rose said they all said it. You didn't have to you don't have to you don't have to be a fucking a baseball guy to know that the manager was taking him out too too early. That guy Hendricks was fine. He was fine. He had a four-run lead or whatever it was. He was fucking fine. Let the kids stay in there. Give them another inning or two. Then you bring Lester in for the eighth. And then you bring Chapman in for the ninth. And you call it a day. And instead, they bring Lester in too early. They bring Chapman in too early. Chapman gives a two-run homer. And then it's 6-6. And then the rain delay. Holy shit, man. I was just like... I was. My wife usually goes to bed around 10, 10.30 because of her job. And she just was like, I got to stay up. Then when the rain thing came, she goes, I got to go to bed. Then... They took the rain thing off 17 minutes later. My wife was still looking at the game. Before you know it, we watched the whole thing. Unbelievable game. Uh, the Cubs, you know, the Cubs deserved it. Um, I love Cleveland. I love the people of Cleveland. I go there. I perform there almost every year, multiple times a year. And I think that, uh, you know, just 108 years with the Cubs, I was just rooting for that. And then I'm thinking, man, if the Cubs lose this after being up by three, like two, three innings ago, if the Cubs, are they ever going to win it? You know, I was like, this was the one that they had to win and they did it. But man, that manager fucked up in my eyes. What a baseball game that was. What a baseball game. 
that game was so good. I think I'm gonna like get into the Yankees like earlier this year and just be like, fuck it, I'm in. Like October baseball is the shit. Every pitch, everything. You're just watching. It. That was like watching that game seven. It was like watching a great movie that you were like, I think it's gonna end this way, but oh my god, what if it doesn't? And then you're like, no. And then you're thinking about, oh my god, which side is gonna be devastated? It was awesome. Speaking of awesome, my New York Knicks tonight, tonight, uh, went into Chicago and won. Went into Chicago and won. And here's the line. Przingis, 27 points. Carmelo Anthony, 25 points. Noah, 16 points. Um, Rose, 15 points. Courtney Lee, 17 points. The whole starting five had double-digit points. Rose was three rebounds shy of a triple-double. They beat up a healthy Bulls team with Rondo, with D-Wade, um, with McDermott. With, they, they, just, they, the, the, they were healthy, and the Knicks went in there and played well. Uh, Prazingis looked great, so I'm excited. I'm not going to get too excited. I know it's the Knicks and it's early because they have to gel because it's a new team, but I liked it. And big game this weekend, guys. Giants, Eagles. I'm all over that one o'clock. Giants got to go five and three to keep up with the Joneses and the Joneses being those fucking Cowboys. Oh, man. That star annoys me. But I can't get that mad at the people that love them because I know the Yankees annoy a lot of people. It's just one of those things. Uh, all right, guys. I'm tired. I got to get this thing out. As you could hear, my voice is starting to go. So let me do some plugs. November 16th through the 20th, everybody. I will be on. Um, I will be performing at Absolute Comedy in Toronto, Canada. Great city. Fucking one of my favorites, actually. Um, yes. November 16th to the 20th, great club. I'm looking forward to being out there, running my new hour, so check that out. In the meantime, I have a ton of shows in New York City. You can see me at the stand, um, working on some other dates. I did find out in February I will be at the Comedy Connection in Providence. I'll give you those dates when it gets closer. In March, I will be at the Punchline in Atlanta. I'll give you those dates when it gets closer. Um, found out December 15th, my episode on True TV's Comedy Knockout will air. And I'm hearing good things about it. So check that out, December 15th. Uh, for other dates and other information, go to paulverzi.com. That's V-I-R-Z-I. You can check me out on Twitter, at paulverzi, V-I-R-Z-I. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much it, guys. Until episode 280, which I will have out no later than Thursday next week. Uh, I am out of here. I hope you guys have a great week, and I'll talk to you soon.